Welcome, everyone, back to another edition of NFL Study Hall. I'm your host, Cade Chumslin. Post-divisional round weekend, and what a complete contrast to last year's divisional round where basically every single game was was decided by the last play. And this year, we had half our games decided by virtually the first play. Couple blowouts, few good games, but the four top teams decidedly chosen in this weekend. Let's get into it. I'm going to primarily focus on the teams that lost in this episode because later this week we'll go into the championship weekend picks and I will talk more about those teams that won this past weekend. You all know the drill. Let's get into it. First game was the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. A game that was fairly close for most of it. Chiefs definitely pulled away a little bit at the end. couple costly turnovers for the Jacksonville Jaguars. An unbelievable play by the defense uh, on that interception. But overall, when you talk about this Jaguars team, right, they had one of the best finishes you could ever ask for going into a playoffs winning their last five games, winning seven of their last nine games. Trevor Lawrence was playing the best football in his NFL career. Travis Etienne was on fire. That defense was looking like a top five defense. They actually ended the season after going two and six to start the year. They ended up with a top 10 offense in the entire National Football League. That is how dominant they finished up. I think they will be a force to be reckoned with, not only in the AFC South, which they basically have a lock on right now with how Tennessee has been trending, the Colts have been trending, and the Texans are obviously quite a few years away. Not only do I think they're a lock for the AFC South next year, I think they will be a force to be reckoned with in the AFC playoff picture once again in 2024. Trevor Lawrence, the whole crew, I have been completely impressed by what they were able to do this entire season. You, Doug Peterson has turned this franchise completely on its head, does not get enough credit absolutely changing how a quarterback plays with poor mechanics last year getting him they didn't they I think they adjusted the offensive line a tad but not terribly they got Travis Etienne they had him last year um, they lose James Robinson so the fact that he was able to take that offense with biggest their biggest adjustments were Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and they were able to get to the divisional round of the playoffs and put up a fight against the Kansas City Chiefs it's just It's unbelievable. For the Chiefs' standpoint, again, they played a good game. Mahomes doing his magic with an injured leg. I'm going to talk about more about that injury on, I think that episode will come out Thursday. But going back to um, how this works in the AFC playoff picture, Chiefs' number one seed will host the AFC championship championship. because of a game that happened later this week, it, it was undetermined based on um, what was going to happen with the Bills-Bengals game. Sorry for complete loss of words right there. But absolutely unbelievable job by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I look forward to seeing them next year. Moving on to the Giants versus the Eagles. This one was not even close. Talk about a 38-7 to 7 victory 
Daniel Jones had been playing some of the best football in his entire career. I could argue that his game the previous week against the Minnesota Vikings was the single best game he had ever played. This was one of his worst. 15 of 27, 135, and an interception. Never had control of the offense. Never really looked poised. I mean, it was just... It was kind of the old Daniel Jones from the previous two seasons we'd seen him play. His entire year so far has given him the right to be the starter for the Giants next year. But this game, we saw the worst in every form and fashion this week. Could not get, or could not get anything going. Saquon Barkley was nine carries for 61 yards, which is very respectable. But because they got down so quickly, it was forced. It forced Daniel Jones to have more of the plays on his shoulder, and he was never able to get the ball downfield. I genuinely think this team is a few playmakers away from being in great contention. I they were a top ten defense, no question. But in this game, their top receiver was Richie James, then Saquon Barkley. There was never a wide receiver one. I think Sterling Shepard had a decent year. Darius Slayton got a few balls as well. But there was never that go-to guy that Daniel Jones could trust, play in and play out. They thought that would be Kenny Galladay that ended up not working out this season. I still think he's worth keeping, but you have to go. I think the number one pick in the draft that you're going to have to have is a wide receiver. There's a plethora of them this draft class as well. But honestly, the New York Giants played a really clean year overall. They never lost. With a 9-7-1 record, they never lost to a losing team this year. They never lost to a team with a losing record. I think that is something to be to. I definitely think that's something to be said. Uh, they, they got the wins that they needed to. They beat some other good teams as well. We're talking Titans, Packers, Ravens, Jaguars, all very good teams that they were able to handle their business with. I obviously said their defense was good. Saquon Barkley had an incredible comeback year this, this year. Daniel Jones deserves the right. I mean, nothing more you can say about the New York Giants. They had an absolutely terrific season. The Philadelphia Eagles absolutely shocked me. I picked them to win this game. I think they had the edge. If they played their best, their ceiling was absolutely greater than the Giants. But I did not think they would absolutely manhandle the Giants the way they did. It, they had no hiccups in that offensive game. If I told you Jalen Hurts went 16 of 24, 154, and two touchdowns, you might think that's a pretty decent day, but not his greatest. It didn't. Well, I mean... It's 38 points. The run game was unstoppable. 268 total yards on the ground. 112 of them coming from Kenneth Gainwell. Who knew that the Eagles had a two-headed monster in Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell? Well, they showed it last or two nights ago. It was an absolutely outstanding performance clean on every side of the ball. Devontae Smith with 61 yards. Dallas Goddard with 58 yards and a touchdown. I mean, Jalen Hurts didn't have to do much in this game. He had to just make the completions, get the ball down the field, and his team was scoring touchdowns. The defense was absolutely stopping the Giants' run rush attack, which is going to be pivotal in their next game against the 49ers. I'll get to them in a second. 
We will talk more about what the 49ers need to do to get to the Super Bowl later this week. But as of right now, this was by far the strongest performance, I think, from this entire weekend, 38-7 to over the Giants. The Bengals put up one of the greatest playoff performances we've seen this year and one that we have not seen from the Cincinnati Bengals in quite some time in their history. 27 to 10 over the preseason Super Bowl winning favorite Buffalo Bills. This is the first time since 2015 that the preseason Super Bowl favorite did not even make it to their conference championship. The Bengals absolutely manhandled the Bills. It looked 27 to 10, but it felt 38 to 7 just like the previous game. The reason I gave it to the Eagles is cuz it actually was 38 to 7 and this game was 27 to 10. Um I mean, Joe Burrow is that guy. 23 of 36, 242, two touchdowns. The Bengals had never won a road playoff game in their history at 0-7. And Joe Burrow, went in his two playoff runs with the Bengals, has had three of them. And he's never lost on the road either. I mean... This team is well on their way to their second straight Super Bowl appearance under a third-string quarterback. Every side of this offense is working. Joe Mixon had 105 yards and a touchdown. The The receivers are getting into it. I think Hayden Hurst had a touchdown. Jamar Chase had a touchdown. Their defense was able to bully Josh Allen in his own home stadium in the elements of the snow. The Buffalo Bills who are known for fighting any single environment, looked absolutely stunned. There was no run game. Josh Allen looked bad at the quarterback position with how he was throwing it to his receivers. I mean, I was shocked to see the Buffalo Bills fold like this. I picked the Bengals because the Bills had shown weaknesses, but I didn't think the Bills would fall on their face. Josh Allen this year definitely decreased as the season went on. Here's a crazy stat for you. In his first six games, well, okay, so his average completion percentage for the entire year, or the entire regular season, I should say, was 63.3. His first six games of the season, he only had one game where he where his completion percentage was below 63.3. The remaining season which six games, 17-game season, that's 11 games the rest of the season, he only had two games where he was above 63.3. His efficiency decreased tremendously. And I think the main cause of that, and he, by the way, his highest completion percentage in the playoffs was a 59.5 in this most recent game. I think the biggest cause of that is the lack of a rush attack in Buffalo. The highest rusher this year, or no, I'm sorry, not this year, uh, this game for Buffalo was 26 yards by Josh Allen himself. No one, I mean, Devin Singletary, I thought he was a decent back and was able to hold them out, or who should be able to relieve Josh Allen of something. Uh Uh-uh, 819 yards. Josh Allen had 762. Josh Allen's fantastic, 
but he's not built like a running back wide receiver guy like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. He is phenomenal at running the ball, but he's closer to the Joe Burrow where he can make a play with his legs. He's not built or designed for your offense to be half pass, half run with your quarterback. He had 300, he had 567 passing attempts, 124 rushing attempts. That is very close to how many Devin Singletary had, and it's over, it's 35 more than what James Cook, their second back running back, had. This style of offense just was able to wear, just wore down Josh Allen at the end. I think it's just, he has to do too much. Now, I'm being very critical of the Buffalo Bills right now simply because this was my Super Bowl pick. This was the team that was supposed to get there. It was the team to be at 13-3, and 7-1 and one at home. This was a defense that picked up Von Miller over the offseason. This was a team that had one of the best receiving cores we've seen in the NFL with Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Dawson Knox. This was a team that drafted a good running back in James Cook and was not able to utilize him, and he played a bad season. This was a team that didn't have to go through Kansas City in the playoffs, and they still lost in the divisional round for the second year in a row. The NFL was waiting for Buffalo to make it to the big dance, and they have yet to get us there. Are they a good football team, and will they be contenders next year? Hands down, no question, absolutely. Is there room to pause, though, that the that the Cincinnati Bengals have taken their place as the rivals of the AFC of the or of the Kansas City Chiefs to come? I think that is a yes. I'll get more into my awe of the Bengals later this week, but I think this game officially made the Bengals as the number two team in the AFC long term and Josh Allen and the Bills are going to have to put in some kind of miracle playoff run to get through Kansas City and Cincinnati. Last game of the week, Dallas Cowboys versus the San Francisco 49ers. Surprisingly tough game. Great battle between two absolutely phenomenal defenses. Dallas Cowboys showing up when they needed to. San Francisco doing what they do best came to the quarterback play, and Dak Prescott was not able to make it happen. Brock Purdy, clean, no touchdowns, but a clean game, no turnovers on his hand, which was the biggest difference. Dak Prescott with two interceptions. 49ers win 19-12 to and will make it to the AFC, NFC Championship for the second year in a row, led by Mr. Irrelevant himself no longer. Brock Purdy. Looking at the Dallas Cowboys, though, they're kind of like, I don't really know how to put a finger on it because I look at this defense that played their absolute guts out in this one. I mean, they had one of the best defensive performances against one of the hottest offenses after last week specifically. And to hold them to 19 points this year, to hold them to 23 points last year, your offense still couldn't get it done. I heard a lot of critiques on social media, on big networks, about Dak Prescott and how he is not that guy. 
Well, if I'm not mistaken, Aaron Rodgers has not been that guy for the Green Bay Packers recently. And I, and I know people are going to absolutely pound me for this. But the man won a Super Bowl back in 2010 and has not gotten there since. He's gotten to the NFC Championship, I want to say, three times. Hasn't won that game yet. Um, whose nemesis is also the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers have a great way of just ruining everyone's day. But Dak, but Tony Romo has the same playoff record as Dak Prescott. 2-4, and 0-3 oh in the divisional round. Aaron Rodgers hasn't made it to the big dance since 2010. Drew Brees didn't make it to the big dance after, I want to say, 2011. And they all, all three of those guys I just mentioned have been or stayed with the same team that entire decade until they retired. Um, What has Dak Prescott done that he doesn't deserve the starting spot of the Dallas Cowboys? Is he a choke job in the playoffs? Yes. But I don't think a choke job in the playoffs gives you the right to fire him. Um, and I know the counter-argument for that, too, is it's the Dallas Cowboys and they deserve more. So why wasn't Tony Romo gone? Why wasn't some of these other players, like, there has never been a super big desire to get it there with more pieces than you already have. In my opinion, what they need to do is get rid of Ezekiel Elliott because this man has been underperforming the entire year. Uh, Tony Pollard took his job midseason. The man had 213 attempts. That was 10th in the NFL. About the number he should have had to start this year. Um, I really was hoping for a good year from him. I, I was impressed with that number. But only 876 rushing yards. That was 22nd in the NFL. 3.8 average yards a carry. Mind you, we considered this man to be the number one NFL running back three or four years ago. And look where he is now. Uh, he got outbeat by Tony Pollard, who has been a backup his entire career and now has taken the stardom of the Dallas backfield. He has become the man who is just pounded... Um, in the red zone, he had 12 touchdowns this year, which is a number he should have had, uh, tied for fifth in the NFL. But I get the impression that Zeke is going to want his money somewhere. And is he a number one running back in the NFL for some teams? Probably. For the Dallas Cowboys, not anymore. Nor is he worth his money in Dallas. Now, the problem is you don't really have a backup for Tony Pollard anymore. Um, they barely used, I think his name is Malik Davis, uh, as their third string running back. So to keep Ezekiel Elliott as that James Conner, Chase Edmonds type of style with Tony Pollard, or uh, who was the other one big, there was another big one from Carolina this year, Chubba Hubbard and, uh, I'll comment below what his name was, the running back in Carolina who had a phenomenal season, um, Oh, it's going to kill me. I'll I'll figure it out later this episode. It'll come it'll come to me. Um but that type of dual threat running back, Ezekiel it could be. I just think he's going to want his money and if he does want his money, do not keep him. He has not been worth it. For Dak Prescott, keep him. He's earned it. Um and I want to address the uh 
the whole points per game thing that gets always thrown out there. The Dallas Cowboys were fourth, or uh, what were they to end the year? They were fourth with 27.5 points per game this year. Uh, they were 11th in yards this year. They were able to get the ball down the field. Now, was their schedule pretty easy? Obviously. But we saw this team put up a boatload of points against Philadelphia uh, with their healthy defense. We saw them go against good teams like the Minnesota Vikings and whoop them up for 40 points. So I, I don't think that... I mean, this is just this is just another bad loss and the quarterback not coming in clutch. I don't know because I've never really been there. And if I have been there, I've kind of just given up, which don't fall for me that I'm trying to get into this business, not the athletic business. Um, so I would love for someone to help me out with that because I don't know how to teach clutchness. And if this game and if the Dallas Cowboys are demanding clutchness, then you need to go find yourselves a Micah Parsons type of quarterback because this is a hard league to have to play cut clutch for this long. Now, a man who's been defying all of that is Brock Purdy. I'm going to get to him on Thursday because this San Francisco's team is the Cinderella story of all Cinderella stories if I've ever heard one, and they've got some serious momentum behind their back. For the Dallas Cowboys, I say either get rid of Zeke or don't pay him his money and keep him as that number two running back. Maybe help yourself out with another wide receiver, although C.D. Lamb had a phenomenal season this year. Get another two wide receiver to help out Dak. Get the offensive line healthy. I know that had been a problem all year long. And keep as many star defensive players as you can before they want to get out of there. I'm not panicking about the Dallas Cowboys. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There was your divisional recap. Again, stay tuned for Thursday where I break down the championship weekend. All four teams left. We started with 32 in August. It's January, and we are down to four. Catch you guys later this week. Peace out. <laughs>